The following talk was given at Mile High Church in Lakewood, Colorado. Please visit our website at milehighchurch.org. Welcome to Wednesday Night Live. It is so not good to not see you tonight, but it's so good to join together uh, virtually. And uh, if you're a mile higher, let's keep in touch, whether you're there on the chat or you have somebody's email. Um, I I don't know about you, but I, I, I really miss you. And I want to know how you're doing. And I, I think one another, we want to know how we're doing. So let's all make the commitment just to reach out to five of our fellow congregants, just to say hi, say how we're doing. My email is jreeves at milehighchurch.org. I'd love to hear from you. Uh, any of us ministers, you just put the first letter of their, their name, their last name at milehighchurch.org. And let's stay, let's stay connected. And we, we can't wait to all come together again. And so grateful to share the stage tonight with uh, Reverend Jackie Harris, who's going to be providing our message tonight and Reverend Zamira uh, Jezwirska. I'm going back to the week of uh, uh, March 10th. Um, It seems like decades ago now. And uh, that upcoming Sunday, we were so uh, looking forward to officially announcing you both as ministers here at Mile High Church. You're longtime Mile Hires, and you've worked so hard to get here. And we were going to officially announce you. uh, And so this is still an unofficial announcement today, but we're so grateful to have you here. Uh, Reverend Jackie now leading our ministry of service and uh, Reverend Zamira working with our small groups and all sorts of different areas. We're so glad to have you um, here with Mile High Church and to have you here with us tonight. And, you know, one of the things I I know, because I know both of you, is that, um, you know, both of you have had to to deal with this um, coronavirus crisis in in your own unique ways and in in your own families. And so I just want to ask you tonight how you've um, found your way through this uh, spiritually and just maybe begin with you, um, Zamira. Yeah, well, thank you, Josh, and thank you for that introduction. It is absolutely a blessing to uh, be here and to be part of the Mile High family for such a long time. Um, During this time, it has been, it's had its ups and downs, as I'm sure it has for all of you, Um, but some of the blessings that have um, come up for my family and I is that we were able to bring back an old-fashioned custom of having dinner together. And that's really something that was so hard to do with teenagers and with all the activities that all of us are involved in all the time. Um, It had been a long time since we had had a consistent dinner every night where we sat down and we connected and laughed and and cooked together. That's a real blessing. That's been a blessing. Yeah. Yeah, it's so important, you know, to find those little things and those those little joys for sure. Yeah, some of the more challenging um, parts of this stay in place is that um, both Todd and I, my partner Todd and I, we have uh, seniors in high school, and um, there were several moments of um, of disillusionment when they finally found out that we weren't going to be celebrating in the way that was expected. Mm-hmm. And so we've had to become creative, you know, in, in our um, ways of celebrating them and in creating different rites of passages. Um, and spiritually, I have to say that um, time for contemplation has been a blessing. And it has been a consistency that even all throughout um, schooling and throughout all of our busy lives, I always just yearned for that time, that uninterrupted time to kind of fall in. And that has been another thing that has kind of been the saving grace of this time. 
So it's a part of what I'm hearing is that the blessings are, are found, especially with those of us who have full houses and creating conscious sacred time together, but also making sure you get that sacred time uh, alone as Absolutely. well. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Yes. Good balance. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, and, well put. And, yes. and congratulations to both of those, those graduates. Thank you. Uh, how about for you, Jackie? Um, it's been an interesting time for me. Uh, first of all, I would agree with Zamira. Thank you very much. It's, it's an honor to be part of the Mile High family. I've, always, I've been a part of the Mile High family for a long time, but to be a minister and feel like I can really uh, do even more to help with our community, I love that. Uh, f I will say that the first part, um, we live in the foothills, so the beauty of it is we've had gorgeous weather for the most part since this coronavirus started. And my husband and I take three to four mile walks during the, uh, during that time. And we're unencumbered because we're more in the foothills where you don't run into so many people. So that has been a real blessing. Um, I, there has been sadness during this time. Um, my mother um, went through her transition two weeks ago. And... I uh, had not been able to contact her because uh, they had closed the facility. She's in, she was in a, a um, care facility where they, of course, as so many of them are, they didn't allow visitors. And because she got to a place that she couldn't actually communicate, um, it's, it's, I feel like I never was able to say goodbye. So the beauty of this teaching it, to me is that I know I know that her soul is in a, a such a beautiful place right now, and I know that it is a blessing in the long run. But it is interesting how death kind of pushes a family, and then when you're in this, it creates all kinds of new and interesting uh, ways of being as human beings. So um, it's been a time of a lot of contemplation, and I'm thankful for that. Yeah, and you know, I'm, I'm, you know, tearing up a little bit. Not, not just hearing your story, but we think about all of those um, yes. indiv individuals right now who have people that they they love who mm -hmm. may be passing, and and they they can't get that that physical yes. goodbye. Maybe they get to do a virtual uh, connection or or something like that, but they 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 don't get that 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 physical goodbye, which is so important to us. And you know, yet what I'm hearing you saying is even going through through the hell kind of of that experience, there's there's still grace yes. to be found. And you know, we talk about the spiritual stuff and we affirm it, and and yet you know, there are those times that we have to put it in, into practice. And and, and uh, I'm so glad you know what you know because that's what I know about you and your mother is that you're always connected and that the these connections never end, like it or not. Sometimes, <laughs> true, uh, true. Um, but but you think about all those people out there who who don't have teachings like these yes. right now oh who, who are suffering and, mm -hmm. and having a challenging yes. uh, time. And, you know, are, are there, are there tips that we, we have for them or suggestions or we just, we are just heart goes out to them. What do you think? Well, absolutely. Our hearts go out to them, but you know, there is a power in the universe <laughs> and we can use it. Mm -hmm. And that's what I would say to everyone is just remember that there is a power so much greater than us, no matter what you choose to call it. And that's what you can lean on in those moments. Yeah, I mean, we, we might even say that, you know, part of our own individual spiritual practice is, is learning to um, live in the exterior reality all around us, but mm -hmm. to also recognize that, that there's this interior reality yes. and in what's around me, um, you know, things 
uh, fall apart. Mm -hmm. Things go away, things end. Uh, but with a strong spiritual practice, we begin to live in this inner reality as well that we can't see, but is more real than, than anything. And, and for me, you know, that's where I truly want to meet my loved ones. That's where I really want to meet my, my, my spirit. And um, I want to live in this exterior reality as long as I can. But I know if, if I'm too attached to this and not nurturing this, I, I'm, you know, maybe half myself sometimes too. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. The same is true for me. I think what's really helped me in, um, is knowing that we still maintain that sense of connection in the heart and that that's never, that's never interrupted, no matter the fact that we can't be together um, presently and, and physically in the same place, but that, um, you know, that we always are connected at that deeper level. I have a daughter that lives in London, and she was supposed to be arriving in a couple of days. Um, and we're not able to be together, but in some ways, this has um, allowed us to kind of deepen in and not take for granted um, that connection that we do have. That is, no matter what it looks like, we don't have to be together to be present with each other. And we've really been able to celebrate that way, that presence. Yeah, and whether it's, it stops or crumbles or whatever it is that's your experience going on, those those who are watching right now, um, you know, it's important to remember that there are always those opportunities to connect, to, to keep creating those those daily rituals alone with people that you love to to consciously celebrate those mm -hmm. sacred connections. And uh, even when it things, seems like things are falling apart, and maybe they are around us, um, there there are those moments that remind us of the, that, that deep truth. And, you know, I always th think, you know, that, that there's that popular saying keep calm and carry on that we see in you know handbags and things today and that that originated you know back in British propaganda during World War II when they, they thought the, na the Nazis were going to occupy their, their country. They had several posters and one was this poster that said keep calm and carry on that everyone would see around them and, and objectively you go how's that going to help you? But there's a, a spiritual tone to that that says you know, no matter what is going on around you, hold to your center. Hold to your truth and keep walking and, and, and trust no matter what is going on that there are those moments of grace, those moments of connection and, and that real life life can, is something that can never really truly be taken away from us. Mm -hmm. So tonight that song is so perfect because my talk is the wisdom of not knowing. And as human beings that's a struggle we have. The whole notion of the mystery of life. We want to know the answers. It's our, it's our rational mind, our figured out mind wants to know what all the answers are. And here we are in a situation right now in this world that we don't have an answer for. And people are working on it, and, but we want an answer. Our figure-it-out mind wants an answer. Well, I'm going to give you some tools, I hope, this evening to, to be able to move through the not knowing and be somewhat okay with it. But the first thing I want to do is I want to share a Zen story with you. A university professor wanted to learn about Zen. So he approached a Japanese master, Nanin, and said, I'd like to learn about Zen. And Nanin invited him to his home, took him into his home and offered him tea. 
And as they're sitting there, Nanin begins pouring the tea, filling the teacup, and the teacup begins to overflow. And the professor's sitting there, and all of a sudden he goes, Stop! The cup is full. In fact, it's running over. And Nanin looks at him and says, Yes. Just as your mind is too full of ideas and too much knowledge, you must empty it before I can teach you Zen. I would tell us that that's the first step. We must get rid of some of the ideas we have in our mind so that we can be open to what the possibilities are for ourselves now and for ourselves moving forward. One of the things I'm going to do tonight is I'm going to tell you a Bible story. Here we are in, in uh, Mile High Church, and I'm going to talk to you about a story in the Old Testament. It's in uh, Genesis 12, and it's the story of Abraham and Sarah. But I'm not going to tell you the whole story, but I have to tell you that it's a fascinating story. It's almost like a soap opera if you were to read it straight through but I'm going to tell you the first part of it. First of all, Abraham and Sarah started out as Abram and Sarah, and it wasn't until they reached the promised land that God uh, had sent them to that their names were changed because they changed. They were brought up in Ur, which is, would have been near the Persian Gulf in what we now know of as Iraq. And they, so what they knew in their life was worshiping the sun, worshiping the moon, worshiping astrology. There were all kinds of idols around. And then God spoke to Abraham and said, I want you to go, and by the way, I'm paraphrasing God, I want you to go to the promised land and I will make of you a great nation. All right, folks, now think of this. You've been worshiping idols, the sun, the moon, astrology, and then this voice comes to you and tells you to do this. I don't know about you, but it's to me somewhat amazing that Abraham heeded the call of God and took Sarah and his nephew Lot and they started for the promised land. So notice he's now going on a journey and this is an outer journey that he's going on, and it's not an easy journey. He doesn't know what he's going to run into as he moves across the desert. He doesn't have a GPS system. He doesn't have a map. He doesn't have an itinerary. And God didn't tell him exactly where he was going. And yet, he trusted enough to follow God. And he followed God, and even when he got to the promised land, after all the other things that happened in between, he had to move away because there was a famine. The fascinating part about this story to me is that here he, they had an outer journey, but, but the whole time they were also going on an inner journey, which is what we need to do when we're looking at not knowing Imagine, these people did not know anything that was going to face them, and yet they stepped out in faith. We each have an internal GPS of our own, and I believe that, of course, Abraham and Sarah had that also. 
And we can listen to that GPS within us or not. And many times we choose not to listen to it. So what I'm going to do is share with you three things in addition to opening the mind. Remember that teacup. I think that will stay in your mind, that overflowing teacup. Is that what our mind gets like sometimes? The first thing I'm going to bring up is staying in the present moment. You know, we have a tendency to want to go back and think about the past. We can't do anything about the past, folks. It's done. Hopefully we've learned something in what we see in the past, but certainly we don't want to spend our time hanging out in the past. And so then we say, oh, well, how about the future? Well, the future makes us anxious. Think about right now. We don't know. We don't know. What's the future going to look like? We don't know. So let's not hang out in the future. Let's hang out in the present moment. And the present moment is an interesting piece to try to stay in, but it's the only place, the only place where nothing has ever gone wrong. And I'm going to tell you that Jesse Jennings says that in the next month's issue of Science of Mind, and I love that the present moment, when we're in the spiritual practice. Now, how do you get to the uh, present moment? One way is through the breath. We've been taught that. One way is through meditation, using your breath in meditation, because it makes you think of something. It just puts you right into that present moment. So spiritual practice will bring you to and keep you close to the present moment. Eckhart Tolle spoke a lot about the present moment and I wanted to share some thoughts he had. He says, living in the present moment is the key to developing a sense of profound bliss, love and unity with everything in the universe. The key to staying present in the moment is to remember to come back to your state of heightened awareness. I always say that the act of becoming present is not difficult. The difficulty lies in our ability to practice it as we move through our daily lives. So, dealing with not knowing, we keep an open mind, we work to stay at the present moment, and we have faith. Ernest Holmes says, faith is a mental attitude. Now you think about faith, and faith is, you know, we have faith in a lot of things, but the faith we're looking at is the faith that Abraham had that he was going to get from Ur to the promised land because God had promised him that. That's trust. That's faith. The Buddhist teacher Sharon Salzberg says about faith, it's the willingness to take the next step, to see the unknown as an adventure, to launch a journey. With faith, we move into the unknown, openly meeting whatever the next moment brings. We can draw near to the truth of the present moment 
which is dissolving into the unknown even as we meet it. And Maya Angelou, uh, I was listening to a series of meditations and there was a quote that, of hers that was used and I'm gonna change a word. She used hope, I'm going to use the word faith. Faith and fear cannot exist in the same place and at the same time. It's up to you to choose one. Let one in. You decide. And Ernest Holmes said, faith is thought moving consciously, definitely for a specific purpose. And if it is real faith, accepting the outcome of the purpose. With faith, we seek to go beyond the obvious, tangible level of reality to perceive the unknown, invisible mystery. And that's the next point I'm going to take you to. So we've had keeping your mind open, being in the present moment, having faith, no matter what it looks like, and then using your imagination. That may sound rather strange, but imagination is a part of faith. Imagination takes us beyond what's visible and manifest, and it takes us way beyond what we understand in our limited ability to think. I can see some people going, oh, imagination. I don't have an imagination anymore, but every one of us has imagination. If you think back to when you were a child, or if you watch a child, the imagination is the spark of their creativity and their happiness. We too have that ability to grab onto that imagination now. Artists, musicians, mystics, scientists use their imagination. Right now, our scientists are having to use certainly their knowledge of science, but their imagination to come up with a vaccine for the coronavirus. What a fantastic thing to think that they can use their imagination to create something that can be such a blessing and such a cure for our world. So I want everyone out there to work on that imagination. You've got time, you certainly have time to work on the imagination. I know I'm going to. So what I would say to you is you have those four things. Keep your mind open, remembering the teacup. Go to the present moment as often as you can because that's where nothing has ever been wrong. Have faith and be sure to work on and engage your imagination because we don't know what the future is going to bring, but we have the opportunity to make choices and to create a whole new world for everyone right now. Bless you all and thank you for being with us this evening. And so it is. Thank you for listening to the Mile High Church podcast. This podcast is made possible by the generous contributions from listeners like you. If you'd like to make a donation, please visit us at milehighchurch.org. Have a fabulous day.